0: Bada bing, bada bing, bada pow. Hello! Welcome, everyone. It is 12.39, and I just returned from my doctor's appointment. My doctor's appointment was today. Today is Friday. Friday is Cyberpunk Edgerunners. I think I am not going to record a new video today, in part because they drew drew blood for blood work, and I'm a little off. A little off. Also, it's just one big stressful event in a day, and I'm already in a state where it's like, oh, I accomplished the thing, and it's like I want to just go relax and chill and kind of pat myself on the back for going and doing a thing that I've been avoiding doing for, like, six years. So, good job, me. In general, my health is good. Um, There are no immediate warning signs that showed that my health would not be good. Um, in, In an overall sense, all is pretty much well. Um, I did, I, I am still worried to some extent about the, the moles that I have on my arms, and I've got a couple that go up on, uh, to my shoulders, um, but I got a, uh, a referral to a dermatologist, and I'm gonna go see a dermatologist soon, and the, the doc that I talked to, well, not a derma herself, um, examined them and said that she felt like they were probably benign. Like, yes, they show some of the, the tendencies of being different shapes, but they don't seem to be taking over my body in a massive sense, and so they're probably all okay. But she saw the that it was worthy to go to the recommendation and 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 give me a referral to a derm, and uh, so I'm going to. And if the derm says we might as well remove them just to prevent uh, prevent possibilities in the future, I'll get them removed. I've also there are a couple of small small lesions on my face. Um, and in fact, I think that there's one right here that I'd like to get potentially removed because it does feel like it's it feels like it, first off it's obstructing a pore, and it keeps getting inflamed and like turning into into a, a zit. I don't like that, but in general, I had a full physical, um, top to bottom, uh, uh, balls and all, if you will, and uh, turn your head and cough and the whole works, um, including talking to her about my potentially fractured rib, and she basically felt around in there and was like, does this hurt? And I was like, not really anymore, it, but if you had done that a week ago, I would have been screaming. Uh, and she was like, okay, you seem to be healing okay, you resilient boy, good boy. <laughs> I was like, yay, I'm a, I'm a good boy, I, I did good things. So that's a big check mark off my list of of shit I have to really get done that's like a problem. And the, well, I envisioned the doctor as a bit of a dragon. I talked about this in a previous episode. I've envisioned the doctor as a bit of a dragon for me to go out and slay. And in this case, what has happened is I've gone out to the dragon's den after worrying much about the potential that there is a dragon there. I've gone out and I've walked around the, the cave and I've found no dragons. And not even any sign of dragons. No dragons. Didn't have to kill anything today. Didn't have to slay anything, really. But I did have to to get myself all geared up and ready, just in case there was dragons in there. And I had to walk into that door ready to come out with a terminal cancer diagnosis. Which is silly and ridiculous, but... but truly. Six years of not having been to a doctor, and I walk in that door, I'm afraid. And I was afraid. I'm still a little bit afraid, because, you know, the uncertainty is still there. But because I've walked in and I've faced that fear... And allowed it to pass over me and through me. And I've turned the inner eye to see its path. And where the fear has gone, there is nothing and only I remain. That feels about right. And it feels doubly right because it allows me to quote Frank Herbert from Dune. One of the best and most useful quotes that I've ever come across. And one of the first things that I ever dedicated myself to memorizing, truly. I must face my fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. And isn't that fucking true? Isn't that the truest thing in the world? Fuck you, Herbert. Fuck you and your damn worms and shit and your perfect allegories for colonialism and your du- duplicitously doubly perfect allegories for self-sacrifice and individualism and the-, the construction of a religion. Eventually in God Emperor, the construction of a religion that has to fall in order to... ...to maintain its symbology, which, by the way, is the Code Geass story as well, which is nutty that those things link to- Okay, I love stories. Fucking nuts. Crazy shit. So I went to the Dragon's Den, and I found no dragons. And in fact, maybe you could say I found a, a safe place, because often you go into the Dragon's Den because it's a cave that you need to go into, and you need to be- ...you need to find that you're safe there, and in this case, the Dragon's Den is sort of my own body- And now I get to feel safe inside of it, a little bit, a little bit safer. So having gone into the cave and cleared it out of beasts and bears, dragons and snakes, I find myself comfortable inside my own cave, just a little bit. I can stop and catch my breath, just a little bit. And that little bit is enough. So it was a good day. I also managed to read like twenty pages of Jung's uh, "Man and His Symbols," which blew my fucking mind. It's just such a book. I need to buy everything that that man has ever written, essentially. Such a fucking book, absurd. Um, but I got to read that all throughout, all throughout the whole process, and get all set up and <sighs> get blood work done and get an STD screening done we're gonna go and we're gonna we're gonna do something this is kind of like what I did um, what I did earlier when I showed how I edit a video I'm not gonna show how I edit a video but I'm gonna show how I put together Oops, how I put together a thumbnail um, so here's this is cyberpunk edge runners episode 2 I'll make sure that this video goes up after edge runners 2 goes up so that this doesn't spoil anything but uh, I'll I'll jump over to my timeline too this is the pip timeline right so it's just the the video itself and then my video itself which is not showing up effectively, which is annoying. So I have to be slightly careful that I don't get copyright blocked just for showing the stuff that's in the stuff that within my video, because we're looking at my video with the video. You know what I mean? It's fucking nuts. But the goal right now is I want to go through these twenty minutes and I want to find the face. I mentioned, I mentioned before that I usually I choose a a face that I think is emblematic or indicative of the of the whole episode. Now, me bathed in pink light and smiling is not bad, so we're going to grab that while we have the moment, because that's very cyberpunky looking, and it might end up looking really cool. So I'll just grab that quickly, and we'll keep on moving. Yeah, it doesn't have enough mo- see, it's the- really, it's the motion of me nodding here that's of interest. Duh, and that's what's interesting, so I can't capture that effectively. And then we get the whole OP. Uh, now that's good. So I want to find that there, the clearest moment. See, that's that's an emotionally resonant face. It's like, oh, yeah. And that, you know, people are going to see this and they're going to think that I'm looking at that ass or that girl or something, but I'm not. But it, it still fits the episode because the episode is so very much about her. So that's pretty interesting. So I, I do also want to check because I have a feeling that the first time that she effectively appears on screen, I'll probably have a facial expression reaction to that. And that might be indicative of my reaction to the whole episode and the character. And of course, and as I said, the 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 indicative is what I'm going for. I want the most accurate. Okay, so Mr. Bad Guy is bad. Where are we at the train? Come on. Oh, okay, so this is the moment where she pushes him ba- down. So my expression actually kind of froze in this moment, huh? Because I'm just evaluating girlification. She's a fucking girl. It's like when you're uh, a hunter and you see a deer, you go, you <sighs> freeze so you don't startle it. At least that's how I see it. Girls are also uh, monsters and scary to guys. So it's like that, and it's also something else. Man, it's really taking its time loading. It's because I'm loading the CPU, probably, with, um, with recording. Probably what's going on. Ooh, I'll mention this because it's an offhand mention. This moment where he's looking down, somebody commented saying that they thought that it was him ideating suicide here, in this moment particularly, and I think they're absolutely right. Well, he just hit the goal of getting the thing and it's like, what do I do now? I don't think it's actually a specific ideation of suicide. It just evokes the feeling. To to me, it even evokes the feeling of like how how do I put it? It's like looking at a suicidal drop but there's a suicide net under you, in the Japanese sense. Do you know what I mean? Because he knows he can make this drop. He's done it a dozen thousand times, right? Drop down into this garbage. Over and over and over and over and it's the garbage that will catch him. So it's like, he doesn't even get the choice. Something like that. Okay, places, places, places. Whoa, the girl. Okay, so there's a whoa girl. That's a face. So that's something. That's me saying the word hot. Hot. Okay, so yeah. Oh, there's a good one. The The little toothiness. Hold on, go back a little. That's a problem. Yes, it is. Whoa. There. Yep. The one moment where my my little my little toothy fang goes goofy right there. Whoa. That has a different a different expression. Look at this. So, oh shit, I fucking lost it. No, no, no. Shit. That's a problem. Whoa. Okay, there. I don't want to be looking at you though. Not for a thumbnail. I want to be looking at it. That compared to that. like this is just an expression, a smile. Whoa. <sighs> like there's it's so so incredible how micro expressive we are. There, that one. And how different that is from other things so we get yay we get uh we get oh we get oh i like this one the best i think that's the the winner right there because this is this is the moment where i went from all right who the fuck is this girl to this girl's rad i'm interested <laughs> that's the moment right i get you get a couple eyebrow nudges from me and a couple of little little suggestive moments but but barely really that's that was the thing as we move along and we and we, we, we joke and I'm I'm a little more flippant about it as we move along through the episode, I think. Oh my god. Actually, no, the the scene, this scene Leap, fly, insanity, a weird sex scene as well. Like it is super sexualized. She's on top of him, taking the lead and stuff, it's hot as balls. We get the face to face. And it's all very cool, but it's just my expressions are not indicative of the entire episode. You know what I mean? They come through to, toward the for the end of the thing and we'll head toward um, like cool revelations and good moments but the thing that's indicative is, the, is temptation and desire and, and intrigue which is emblematic in this image here. So and we can grab that and, and pop it open and that'll get GIMP running. I should be able to close out of this as well. That's, that's on the way at least. I'll pour my tea and then I'll do an aside to talk to you about my Uber driver. So I got an Uber driver to the doctor today, um, and my my Uber driver there, my Uber driver back was named Jane, and she was very nice and very polite, and we didn't talk much. My Uber driver there was named Emilio, and he was very nice and polite, and we talked a whole lot. Um, older man, Hispanic in origin, uh, told me eventually that he came from uh, a, a city in, in Mexico, and um, specifically we talked about where I was going, which was to the doctor's office. Um, I opened the conversation, as I always do with Uber drivers, by mentioning the weather because it's quite simple and safe. Um, I never say nice weather we're having because that's shit. You give somebody something that they can actually go off of by giving them an opinion. So you say something that they might agree or disagree with. So I said something like, ooh, it's chilly this morning, but I'm glad that it's it's not as cold as yesterday, I think is something that I said, because it was quite chilly and quite windy here yesterday, and it was the first cold day that we've had um, as November comes. So today, this morning when I got into, it went outside and I was in, it was like sweater weather, but not cold, cold. So I mentioned that to him and we back and forth about it. And then he asked, as Uber drivers almost always do, where are you headed? What are you doing? You got anything interesting going on? I was like, well, I'm going to the doctor. And it's the first time I've been to the doctor in a number of years. So I feel afraid, essentially. And... Um, he said, Oh, what are you going for? And I, I mentioned a few things and I mentioned that I've got some, some skin lesions, some moles that I want to get checked out because the chances that they could become cancerous are more than zero. And that sparked him to talk about his relationship with his father because his father caught cancer or, or ca- they caught the cancer that was in his father too late. And with no prompting from me, he talked. He began to talk about his relationship with his father and how he had managed his relationship with his father and how he felt so very grateful that he had gone back and spoken to his father and resolved their underlying conflict before his father had passed away and he'd lost him forever. An interesting conversation to have, especially as a a young man who has some conflicts to resolve with his father. An interesting perspective. And we talked about... We talked about all sorts of things. I don't know how the conversation went the ways that it did, but it, we had maybe eight minutes of uh, in-vehicle in time, and it felt like we podcasted for about three hours because we were directly and immediately on the same page about everything, as far as I could tell. Um, from symbology and and mentioning symbols of like snakes and things, he picked up on immediately, to talking about love and i i think i asked him at one point how long he had been in this town or in this area and he's like oh in california 40 years and i go wow like two of me interesting and and you've figured some stuff out he's like yeah i've got a uh uh, uh. well he he explained that he he came up to to san diego to live from mexico to to find a new life to find a way of being and he met his he called her his girl is what he said i met i met my girl and she convinced me to move up here. And I've been here ever since. I go, wow, that's that's Are The two of you married. He goes 40, 38 years. So 40 years ago, he moved to San Diego. Two years later, he met his he met his wife. And then he moved to, to the place that I live and has been there ever since. And he goes, yeah, I love her like nothing in the entire world. Got two beautiful daughters. They're going on making their own families that are working and finding their own way. <laughs> yeah, man, that's that's the stuff. And I, I brought up that, well, I come from a, a broken family where, you know, my my parents f- fell apart and he went, me too. My father was an alcoholic and he left my my mother. And like, that's a different story than my story, but an important one. And, and he went, when I was going to have my kids and raising my kids, I thought, I'm not going to do the same thing that my dad did no matter what. I'm going to fix those mistakes. And my response to him was something along the lines of, and you went and you you made your own mistakes. You made different and interesting mistakes. And he goes, oh, plenty. Tons. Tons. Plenty. Every kid is so different. Of course you make mistakes. Of course you do. But at least I didn't make the same mistakes as my parents. I was like, yeah. Yeah, man. At least I didn't make the sta- same mistakes as my parents. And we do this on a, we fractal this. Okay. So I know I use the word too much, but on a minute-by-minute, day-by-day learning level. You make a mistake, and then you don't make the same mistake again immediately after. You make a mistake one day, and then you don't make the, the same mistake the next day. You make a mistake one week, you don't make the same mistake one, next week. You make a mistake one year, you don't make the same mistake the next year. But it's also on a generational level. You make Your father makes one mistake, you'd better not make the same mistakes as your father. And we have a tendency to do so until they are resolved, especially traumatic mistakes, right? like. Well, violence, for example. A parent who beats their children will very often result in children who use violence to get their way. Almost as though it's an unresolved problem that is passed along and passed along and passed along. And the answer is to find an answer to it. The answer is the process of seeking an answer to the things that hurt you. Find the things that traumatized you, eliminate them from your own experience, resolve the traumas so that you don't pass them down to the next generation, and solve your parenting based on your parents' parenting, and based on some some general principle that isn't your parents, because your parents are probably more shit than they are good. They're good enough that you didn't die, so that's amazing. And no shame on them. We all make mistakes. And this was something that he said, too. He said, you know, no judgment, no shame to my father and my mother, they were people, and they tried, and they failed in some ways, and, and that, is, that is the way that it is, and so be it, but that's exactly it. With no judgment in your heart, with only love, you look back at the flaws of the past, and you attempt to not repeat them, not even necessarily to fix them, just don't repeat them, just don't, you don't even have to make the world 1% better, how about 1% less awful, and you're the 1%, you're the percent that can be less awful. Now you're way less than a percent of the world, but are ya are ya considering your actual reach, considering the number of people that you could affect if you actually dedicated yourself to affecting people in a positive or negative way, could you get to one percent? I think so, and maybe if you got to one percent in one percent less awfulness in a in a positive direction so an anti negative direction at least, maybe that would offset some of the percentages of evil that are going on. I keep talking about, I keep talking about public shooters. Okay, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to make their one percent as down and evil as it can be. Right? How much effect can I have on the world with bullets? Right? And the answer is, not that much. Honestly, not that much. Honestly, it's 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 hard. The most prolific and the ones who have aim they're, they're aiming at destruction. So I don't want to use this this word with them. But the ones who have reached success according to their own goals. What they're aiming at is destruction and death and chaos and horror, right? The ones that have gotten the most successful still haven't gotten anywhere near a fraction of a percent of the global population. Not even close. Well, partly because the the process of hurting people makes them end you pretty fast. Like, you don't survive long enough to cause much harm. Now, if you can get a bunch of people convinced of an idea or an ideology, you can cause way more harm. We know that from both the communists and the Nazis. They caused way tons of harm by convincing a bunch of people of a thing, and and that caused much more than a percent. Hell, when it came to wiping out certain types of peoples, you know, Jews, uh, uh, and seditionists, I guess, in communism, because <laughs> they didn't equal opportunity destruction there, which is which is just great, just lovely that that idea. Um, um, well, they did a lot more than a percent. They got all, they got a lot. I got close. So then, here's my question. That's not sustainable, which is an indication that it's not the good thing to do, even if you don't believe in the morals that indicate that it's not the good thing to do. But if, if there were a sustainable thing, like being good to other people seems to be hyper-sustainable, to the point where it makes them be good to you, and it actually makes your life more sustainable to be good to people. So if you could sustain yourself by being good to people, and in doing so attempt to convince them to be good to people as well, could you ripple out an effect that might affect people? a percent of the world i think you could i think you actually could i think i could and so why couldn't you and if we make this a multi-level marketing scheme of 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 goodness is good is the idea right and i i try to you know i sell that idea to everybody who's on my youtube channel and then all of them sell it to all of their families and they also all of their families sell it to everybody else that they know and all their friends and everybody well Like a multi-level marketing scheme, everyone in the thing reaps the benefits of as many people as they've been able to convince that the world is good. They reap the benefits of the good surrounding societies within them. And I would get to reap the benefits of all of it, because I'm up here at the top of the pyramid talking about how the world is good. You know? So, come along, be a part of my 1%, and then build a 1% of your own, and maybe that'll be 2%. And then our 1 plus 1 equals 2 plus 1 equals 3 plus 2 equals 5 plus 3 equals 8 Fibonacci out into into infinity or something. Wouldn't that be cool? I think that would be cool. We could just spiral out. Thanks, Tool. Thanks, Tool. They wrote that. Tool's lyrics are good fucking shit, by the way. Real poetry about the world. Gojira's 2, they're in the same realm. As far as I'm concerned of, like... Uh, semi-articulate knowledge about the nature of reality expressed through emotional music with multi-layered resonance. Tool is sort of there. Yeah, and Gojira is there too, and... Well, Mozart's there, but only in certain ways because he's just stupid and fucking knows everything, the asshole. Mozart's such a dick. Mozart and Shakespeare are such assholes because they wrote all the music that's, that's, like, that's true... They, they wrote all the music and all the stories that are true, and so everybody thinks that you're copying Mozart and Shakespeare when people convergently evolve Mozart riffs all the time. And it's like, oh, you just copied that from Mozart. It's like, no, actually, I just thought that was the chord progression that worked, and Mozart realized that a few hundred years ago because he's an asshole and he was way ahead of us. Asshole. Fucker. Gar. er, Gotta hate the, the people from the past that have done all the things to lay the groundwork for everything that you would want to do. That's a, a classical idea, or a classic idea of like you—you you woke up in the world where everything that's interesting has already been done. So wrong, because you have no idea what's interesting, and there's so much that we don't know. Gosh, it's such an idiotic concept. I think such a, such a, a a soul deadly concept. The idea that oh, everything's already been done. All the sis, all the problems have already already been solved. It's like no, there are nine hundred ninety plus million people who are starving this year. Solve some problems. There's a there's an island of plastic in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and it's growing. Solve it. Go solve it. Solve microplastics in our ocean, please. Solve parabens and, and bisphenols in our in our food and drinking water, please. Solve solve the pesticide issues that are plaguing our nation. Please. Solve space travel. Solve quantum physics. Solve quantum computing. Solve the world. Solve some stuff. Solve your family, how about that, how about, how about solve yourself, even, let's take it even a step back, because yourself is complicated, solve your desk, there's your start, Peterson's already got clean your room, fuck him, fuck that shit, your desk is your robot, here's my idea, I had, I I ideated this last night, because I was thinking about Tomino, and I was thinking about Gundam, and I was thinking about what the fuck is the idea of a mech? fundamentally psychologically and I came to a conclusion which is that it's a representation of the id ego superego paradigm situation thing mostly id ego id body ego person inside body that controls body superego all their relationships with all their friends which reflect society to them something along those lines as a as a metaphor and a parable not in reality as a metaphor so so you're a person who's an a person who gets inside a bigger person and drives it around yeah, that's correct, 100%, exactly right. And you're also, usually you're the mechanic who is the person who built the robot. Or your dad is the mechanic who is the person who built the robot more frequently because, well, that's correct, actually. And sometimes the robot is actually your mother. So it's it's the biology that you're carrying and walking around, but it's constructed by your dad because that's correct. The The mother is, is the biological source of, and the womb and the place of birth, right? But the father is the one who constructs. And we use fatherhood and fathers as patriarchy and society and structures and social constructivism and order, okay? We just use them as that. It's also—it's true, but it's we use them as that. And so so— the mother is the mech, and the father built the mech, and you get into the mech, and you're forced to, and that's essentially acting within the world. And the kid is usually depressed and doesn't want to get in the mech, you know, like Shinji. You know, like the the primary allegory, allegorical myth that we did there. God, I can't wait to get to the rebuilds. It's gonna be great. So I was like, what the fuck is going on there? And I realized, I recognized it. I was like, wow, okay. Well, every room of any modern human male that I've seen... Any room of any modern human male that I've seen has a space that's dedicated to sleeping, which is pretty much the secondary space inside their room. Usually it is. In, in my room, it's a primary space, but it used to be a secondary space, and I've, I've shifted it to being a primary space. If you recall, I moved my room around um, a few months ago, and part of that was to move my bed close to the window. It changed my life to have my bed close to my window because I get sunlight in my eyes in the morning, and I can't help it. And I wake up, actually, which is really quite interesting. My bed is now a primary location of my room, and it's still the same bed that I was using, but it's a very different place. So that's interesting. There's more balance there, and there is more balance there. But the primary space inside my room, and this makes sense given that I'm a digital living human being, but hey, so are you, and most of you are, right? My primary space is my desk, and my desk, chair, computer, keyboard, mouse, peripherals, screens, and then the things that I use to, to access and explore in the world, the cameras, the lights... The the systems of electronics. I am in a cockpit, and I if I if I go downstairs and I go into my roommate's room, he's in a cockpit in a a nice office chair with three screens around him and a laptop here and a keyboard in front of him and a mouse and a joystick over here that he uses for certain games that he plays and he can slide his 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 chair around in there and his bed's off behind him as like an afterthought almost because the room is the cockpit and the cockpit is. All of your control and ability to manifest yourself outside yourself within the world. And that's your Gundam. It's your Mecha. So, here's my proposition to you. Because again, clean your room has been stolen. Clean your desk. Your desk is your pilot's chair. It's your seat. It's your... It's your way of manifesting yourself in the world. It's the thing that you sit in and drive yourself around your consciousness, your your ego, right? Like the, the person within you gets driven around through the entire universe, the outside world via the, the, the seat that you sit in and the desk that you sit at and the keyboard that you use and the mouse that you use and the screens that you have and the way that you interface with technology. And until we have actual mechas or total full immersion VR, your desk is your pilot space clean it the fuck up because if you were a helicopter pilot and you had crumbs on your goddamn keys and those are the keys that you have to be able to push in order to make the helicopter fly or emergency stop it or whatever or eject can you imagine being a helicopter pilot and you push the eject button and it doesn't work because there's too much cheeto dust around it Fuck that, clean your goddamn desk, vacuum your goddamn keyboard, get a good mouse, get a good keyboard, invest in your technology, and invest in the space that allows your physical form, your body, to do well. So, I've done this a few times. What things do I think you should invest in? Well, I think you should invest in a good mouse. I use MX Masters. We had a conversation in my Discord for a while about the MX Master and whether people believe that it is the ideal mouse or not. For my purposes, it is. And the reason is this. The reason is the infinite scroll wheel and the side scroll wheel here. The side scroll wheel is what I use primarily. I use it constantly to shift things left and right while I'm video editing. The infinite scroll wheel... Man, just to scroll down an immense page constantly, or to zoom in and out. I mean, let me go into GIMP, right? All of this that I'm doing, in terms of size and, and manipulation, is because of the control key and the scroll wheel. And I've got complete control over it. And then, I can go up and down, right, by just using the scroll wheel, and then by control shift, uh, 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 I, c- c- control shift I can go, how, wait, what is it? Oh, it's just shift, okay. I've, I forgot. It's just shift, I can go left and right right so so while I'm doing this this editing I can just go anywhere that I want and this is what, how I edit these 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 images I manually cut out the entire thing and I don't use the clippy tool because or the the color select tool because it doesn't it doesn't end up with clean lines ever and I, I hate it actually and also because my headphones are black and this is black it doesn't work and previously when I had the gold background my head my my background was yellow gold and my skin is pinkish yellow right so that doesn't work it all just blends together and so i go through and i click 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 i actually have to this thing i want this to not stick up the way that it does so that it doesn't yeah so that that is more fluid right here there um but for now i'll just grab it like this and round it off in the image Go down, get the little button, boop, 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 and then here's the hard part, which is like, where is the actual boundary of hair? The answer is I just sort of click around a bit and let my, let my hand decide. Pop, pop, pip, 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 pip. good. That's still got the goofy grin to it. it. Looks nice and doofusy. That's exactly what I want because I'm a dork. And that is correct for the image. We'll just go around and lock all of this in. Pop, 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 pop. Pop, 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 pop. Pop, 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 pop. It can get kind of loosey goosey with the sleeves because they don't matter that much and all the way down and around and I think I need an alpha channel before I do this add an alpha channel invert delete pow and then there's a bit of blackness back here that I want to get rid of chop 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 chow chow pow okay uh that's a little too square it just looks weird there that looks more humanoid no more darkness no more spots that I'm missing Wonderful. So then I'll do an Alpha alpha to Selection. Uh, select Border 2. Filters, Blur, Gaussian Blur. And I'll just leave it on the settings that it's on. Pow. And that just, so you can see that that uh, uh, takes these hard lines to being soft blurry lines. Which looks a little funky. But when you, once you cut it and go to pull up the thumb template that I use, which is thumb temp. I have one of these. I have I have a thumb temp, Cyberpunk Edge Runners thumb temp. I have thumb temps for every show that I do. And then we'll just take the old guy, delete that, drop the new one in, arrange it in an appropriate manner Do fit. So you can see the blurriness is there. But of course, what happens if I if I just cut it out this way? This is why people do. Um, you can see that it's it's harsh cut lines. This is why people do the the one the white borders around themselves or stuff. I hate that shit. I think it looks gross, and so I use the fuzz, and the fuzz works fine. I think. Um, I think I'm actually gonna I'm gonna try to put myself in. In arrangement to be correctly, there with hand showing. That seems about right to me. Let's see if this will fit it will not okay great so let's go let's go expand both of these great and then i'm gonna have to go down in size significantly because of course o1 is much smaller than o2 in most font sizes especially this big blocky one but that's okay still perfectly readable still perfectly visible i am sort of a part of the the frame now as opposed to cutting across it i'm part and parcel to it Angles seem good. Feeling seems good. That's going to be a wrap, baby. File export as. And then let's see. Do I have an email from uh, BitChute saying that it's loaded up? It is not. So I get to do... I'll just pull this over. I get to do all of this. So I get to do this and I get to drop um, Cyberpunk Edgerunners 2. Just a glimpse. Support the channel on Patreon. And also, I do have a schedule. It's a little fucky right now, but I'm working on it. Uh and down and Cyberpunk Edge Runners 2. Very good. Save that. Now I gotta go grab um I gotta go grab all the tags from Cyberpunk EdgeRunners one. So I'll just go and I'll grab because I wrote all these out, so I'll grab and copy all the tags that I used, drop them in here, and for the most part we're all good. So only only thing I'm waiting on is BitChute to finish loading, and they'll email me when they when they do. And as soon as that happens, I'll be able to um, will be able to to push it up. So, uh, essentially nothing more that I can do here for that. I just have to wait for the processing to occur, which is which is hell because sometimes it just doesn't occur. Like BitChute sometimes just fails completely, and I I should probably just move off of the the thing. But it feels like it feels like it's resilient at least in terms of avoiding censorship and and removal. So. There's an element of me that wants to keep on it just for that reason regardless that that was the thumbnail that I wanted to do I wanted to just do that and show you what I was up to um cool and I talked about the driver and some of his some of his life and times and family and stuff um, and I think the last thing that I want to talk about is doing instead of thinking I think and this is something that I conversed with my my uber driver about. I think a lot of the time we think of love as a thing that you think or a thing that you feel, and that's not it. Love is a thing that you do, and it is the same thing as sacrifice. They are one and the same is my idea. Now, there, there are distinctions, but I think the idea is correct, that love is sacrifice and compromise is sacrifice. Compromise is sacrifice, right? It's to say I will sacrifice some portion, you will sacrifice some portion. It's mutualistic bonding sacrifice is compromise, Love is that. That is what it is. It's a, a a desire to be together more than your desire to be apart. Because everybody has a desire to be apart from everybody else. You're an individual and you have to give that up to be in love with somebody. You bond to them. And in the process of bonding, you bind them to you and you bind yourself to them. The explanation that I gave to, to my friend when we were talking about this last night was that i I have chosen to some extent and to some extent not chosen. I have chosen to say that I love him and my roommate and my roommate's child and my roommate's mother who's also my roommate and my my landlord who's also my roommate and and all of these individual people i I choose to love them and I mean love them and that's that's rough because it means sacrifice because in in the present it means that I will sacrifice things to make them happier if i if I can. But in the future, what it means is if anything were to happen to any of them, it would hurt me. I am, I am less alone and less, well, I'm more vulnerable. It's a classic superhero mythology, actually, is that the superhero, Superman can't be hurt, but you can hurt the people close to Superman and that really fucks with him. It's the same idea. Letting yourself love is a compromise and a compromise of your own safety and your own security to some extent because you let somebody else have some of it. They get to own a part of you when you love them. It means that they can hurt you. Actually, because if you don't care about somebody, they can't hurt you at all, not even a little bit, but if you really love them, they can hurt you. So the, com- the conversation that I had with Emilio, my, my Uber driver, was one of the things that we left off, off on was this idea of sacrifice and love being one and the same, and that if you want to have a good relationship with a, with a, a woman, was the way that we put it, you have to be willing to sacrifice a lot in order to, to have it properly. And that that love at first sight doesn't exist. Because love is not a thing that occurs at first sight. Attraction at first sight, absolutely. But love is a process. Not a thing that just happens or an emotion that just feels. It's a process and it's a choice. So, I'll leave you with that. Choose love, my friends. Choose it. And evaluate those relationships you have with the people that you say you love. And try to evaluate whether you're sacrificing enough for them or too much and whether they're doing the same for you. Let me know what you find out. Let me know what you come up with. Thanks for watching and listening. I appreciate your time. I'm not going to record another video today, I don't think. I might over the course of this weekend, but I've got other things to worry about. And so my appreciation and my love to all of you, and that is a sacrifice. Thanks for being here for me to sacrifice to. It makes my life worthwhile. Appreciate you. Love you. Peace. And I mean it.